three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, the Bears are in trouble. We'll explain in just a moment, plus a brand new interview today with Bob Nightingale, a senior baseball columnist for USA Today. Talk with him extensively about some Cubs rumors, White Sox baseball, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglou. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportstalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. Sometimes rules are meant to be broken. <laughs> Could be unjust, unfair, violate your personal beliefs. They have to be bent in some cases, but more often than not, broken for a good reason. The Bears got in trouble yesterday for having contact practice when they shouldn't be. Think about that. Look at the world we're living in today. Ridiculous. A lot of people have said this is a black mark on the new regime. What are the Bears doing? What's Matt Eberflus, Ryan Poles doing? Calm down. This violation showed character, integrity, and old school football. Athletes today are coddled. They are. Can you believe we're living in a world in 2022 where the Bears are getting in trouble for contacted practice? For actually practicing the right way? Just like in baseball, where now no pitcher can last more than five or six innings at most. Or in the NBA, they want to shorten the season. Are you kidding me? Athletes today are making more money than ever, sports have been safer than ever, and yet they want to cuddle athletes more. It's their job to perform. It's their profession to keep their bodies in shape. To work out, to be performing at this high level. It should be expected that you have contact practice. It should be expected that a pitcher lasts more than five innings, and it sure should be expected that the NBA plays every single game on their schedule. We have to stop coddling men and women who get paid very good money to compete. There's nothing wrong with that. So when I saw this news about the Bears yesterday, they violated an NFL policy. 
Wow, okay, great. Good job. I loved you. Matt Eberflus is an old school coach. This to me, so far, is the best thing I've seen from him. It only gets better so far for Matt Eberflus, in my opinion. Because he knows. He's not stupid. The only way you're going to be ready for an in-game situation is practicing as if you're playing a game. This is why I've derided. No pad practice. No contact practice. What are you going to learn from that? Sure, you could learn fundamentals, footwork, positioning. But you're not going to learn the physicality of the sport if you don't practice as if it's a game. How are you going to be ready for a 300-pound lineman barreling at you if you're Justin Fields if you have none of that happening during your practice? How are you going to be prepared? You're going to wait until it happens in the game then be flustered and probably turn the ball over. How are you going to be prepared if you're a defensive lineman? And you can't even rush the quarterback during practice. Then how will you succeed and improve in a game-type atmosphere and give results? The answer is you won't. I have no problem with what Matt Eberflus did in this situation. And for anybody who says it's a black mark on the regime, it's a problem for the Bears, then obviously you don't know football. And I'm not saying I do, but I know enough to say that you need to practice in order to play and practice the right way, not the wrong way. I love it. Practice with pads. Practice with contact. In the game, I don't see people in t-shirts and shorts, running at the quarterback at half speed and wrapping him up. That's the pro ball. That's not real football. A real game involves real players with pads, 300 pounds, rushing the quarterback. And that's what you need to prepare for in practice. This, to me, was a classy move. Not a black mark or a bad situation for the Bears. This shows class, it shows character, and it shows who Matt Eberflus is as a coach, as a leader of men, how he coaches up his players. This is hands-on, no pun intended, real coaching. Hands-on, real coaching. Not sitting around in t-shirts and shorts, running through plays, not touching each other. Going through the motions. Lackadaisical effort. That's not what this is. Who cares if they broke an NFL rule? Rules, in some cases, are meant to be broken. If they make no sense, they're meant to be broken. In this case, this rule does not make any sense. Let them do what they want to do. If the Bears feel like they're going to get better by practicing with contact, let them do it. How are you supposed to get better as an NFL player, especially in football, if there's no contact? It's football. It's your job's to tackle the opponent. How do you get anything out of practice if you can't touch one another? You can't block or tackle or put on pads or run at the quarterback during practice. How are you supposed to get better? Don't give me the black mark BS. This is the best thing I've seen out of this entire organization and this new regime. Best thing, no doubt. This is old school football coaching. And this is something that every sport lacks. Not just the NFL. 
every sport lacks old school coaching, old school fundamentals, old school ways. It still boggles my mind that in baseball, if a pitcher lasts five innings, it's considered a great start. Now, Cy Young was thrown 73 complete games a year. Pitchers in the 1920s were throwing 400 innings in a year. Now today, 180 and you're good. Not even 200 anymore. And don't even get me started about the joke that is the NBA. No more defense. Nobody cares anymore. And yes, they actually want to reduce the schedule. It's too much on players. Right. Tell that to Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carl Malone. Tell that to the guys who played 2,000 career games, if not more. Love to know what they think about reducing the schedule and having it be too hard on players. Give me a break. And the NFL is the same way. I get you want to be careful. I'm not saying don't be careful, don't be cautious. But what I'm saying is, if you want to practice and be really ready for a game, you have to practice like you're going to play. The NFL requires contact. This isn't the Pro Bowl. Not every game's the Pro Bowl. Every game's a game, a real game, with hard hits. With interceptions and fumbles. Scoring touchdowns. Understanding truly an offense. Being ready as a quarterback to avoid pressure. Applying pressure to the opposing quarterback. All these things matter, and they're all in-game situations. They have to be looked at in practice. So the idea that the Bears actually got in trouble for doing what they should be doing during a game is ludicrous. It is absolutely ludicrous. Good job by Matt Eberflus to put his foot down and still do the right thing, even if it's not NFL compliant or it's not part of the NFL rules. What a joke. Get out of here with this. Come on. Such BS. The next time, pull your jets about violating rules and not being compliant. Sometimes they're meant to be broken. And I'm sure all of you can relate to that in your own personal lives. This rule makes no sense. Everybody should be able to do what they want to do. If they don't want to practice with pads or contact, so be it. Good luck during the season. And if you do want to, again, so be it. Good luck during the season. That should be the policy, not you can't do this. And if you do, you're going to get in trouble and we're going to publicize it. I love how they think, the NFL and other people around the league, love how they think this is a big punishment for the Bears and it's a black scar on the new regime. They don't understand how other people think. This, to me, is a warrior wound. This is great. This shows character. It shows Matt Eberflus's football knowledge. Look, I think Sean McBay is a great coach. Why? New new age, new philosophies, new ideas, offensive guru. But I also think old school coaches have a place in today's game, in every sport. Matt Eberflus doing this proves, to me at least, he's an old school type coach, and I'd like that. This is great. 
I have no issue with this report coming out or it being true. Others might, and that's fine. I don't. I think it's great. I think this is how you have to prepare for a real season. I don't care if the Bears aren't supposed to be good this year. I don't care if they are bad this year. At least I know now they were trying to practice the right way. Not like Matt Nagy. Oh, we ran through everything in practice, looked great, then in the game laying egg. At least in this case, I know for a fact, now we have proof, the Bears tried to practice the right way. They attempted to practice correctly. If it went against NFL standards, well, so be it. But the fact is, they made an effort. That's what matters. Publicly, there should be no outrage about this at all. I think this is great. I really do. Just remember, as I said to open up the show, sometimes rules are meant to be broken or at least bent. They are. In this case, they should have been and they were. This rule by the NFL, to me, does nobody any good. It might be well-intentioned, but it doesn't actually produce a better on-the-field product or better awareness for players or better preparation for players. I get you don't want anybody making contact too much in the winter. I understand, or in the spring. But what happens during a game when nobody's prepared for it? Then they get hit, then they break a collarbone, break a leg. What if they're out for the year? What's the difference there, then? What's the difference between practicing in the offseason with contact to be ready for a big hit or not being ready, having a big hit, then being out for the year? Which, which is it? Either way, you're going to get hurt. Matt Eberflus has proven to me, based on this report, that he is an old-school coach, and I love it. I eat it up. I'm so happy about it. This is how it should be. Sometimes it has to be this way. Look at your own lives. I'm sure there have been times in which all of you watching have broken rules because they didn't make any sense or they didn't apply to you or whatever it might be. Matt Eberflus did the right thing here. This is not a black mark, and in my opinion, it should be celebrated, not frowned upon. What to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Bob Nightingale comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here John's John and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's a baseball columnist at USA Today and a baseball insider for Odyssey Sports. Please welcome Bob Nightingale to the program. Bob, it's great to have you on again. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, John. Bob, when's Carlos Correa coming to the Cubs? <laughs> we'll see about the offseason. Someone's coming there. They got a lot of money to spend, and they need a, uh, a big uh, building block. You know, they got Suzuki last winter. Now they're poised to get someone else. Uh, is it Korea? You know, is it uh, Trey Turner? Uh, we'll see. Is it Alexander Bogarts? So there's going to be some great shortstops that hit the marketplace this winter. When did the Cubs decide they were going to spend money? Because it's pretty unlike them based on past off seasons. You know, I think that's just their uh, game plan coming in. I mean, last you know last winter they got Suzuki, they got Stroman. So now it's like, okay, get another piece there too. It's almost like, you know, uh, don't want to do too much last winter because they weren't ready to compete. And, uh, I, you know, they're in the right division. If you want to rebuild and contend, you want to be the NL Central or the AL Central for that matter. Uh, you don't want to be the, 
AL East or the NL West. Uh, so yeah, if they get a uh, you know one of those guys, a, a Turner, uh, Correa, a Bogarts, then I think you know they're knocking the door at least for a wild card berth and challenging a, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals and Milwaukee Brewers. You know, pretty soon. Who'd be the best fit of those three on the Cubs? You know, Bogarts, I think, is going to have to move positions here at some point. So I'd probably rule him out, uh, you know, unless the other two guys are taken. I'd probably take Trey Turner. Uh, he just does so much. Uh, tremendous speed. He can be, uh, you know, uh, every which way. I think he's one of the top five players in all of baseball. Now, will he slow down at some point with the speed? Sure. Uh, but he's a, a dynamic player. Not that Correa isn't, but but Turner's speed is a difference maker. Do you think the Cubs are really going to spend potentially 30 or even $40 million per year on one of these three players? Is that really the possibility here? I do. Remember now, Jason Hayward's contract comes off the books in a year. So there's a $22 million uh, off the books. Uh, Wilson Contreras should be traded at the trade deadline. His contract comes off the books. Uh, so there's plenty of money to be had there. You think Contreras is gone for sure? I do. He's the best position player available. And, uh, you know, they try to re-sign him. Uh, you know, no, uh, they haven't come close from what I understand. He wants to be paid as one of the top, you know, two, three catchers in baseball. Certainly should get, you know, close to what JT Realmuto got. And he got $115 million. I don't think the uh, Cubs think he's, you know, worth nearly that much. So I think they uh, you know, had no choice but to trade him instead of losing him as a free agent. If the Cubs plan on contending next year, though, you don't think there's a possibility in which they could come to an agreement with Contreras this offseason? Possible, but unlikely. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, they made those offers to, uh, you know, the three big boys and couldn't get any one of them. Uh, you know, in, in Rizzo, who went up signing for less money, you know, as it turns out with the Yankees, you know, Bryant. Uh, got by a little less than he did with the Rockies, and Baez certainly got less than he did with the Tigers. So, uh, you know, they could wait and see. I don't think they're ready to contend. I think a, uh, you know, be a much better team next year. I'm not sure they're quite ready to contend for the division title in 2023, but certainly contend for a playoff berth. Is that a red flag to you to know that all those three guys didn't come to the Cubs and the Cubs offered up? Pretty good money. Uh, they went to other spots where there was less money involved. Could that be a problem come next year for some of these free agents that they could be talking to? No, I think the, I think the Cubs will point that out. It's like, hey, wait a minute now. You know, we offered uh, Chris Bryant more than the 182 he got from the uh, uh, Colorado Rockies. Where he certainly we offered, uh, you know, Anthony Rizzo five years at you know 70 million or so. Probably would have gone to 80. He signed for two for 32 with the uh, Yankees. And they, um, you know, Bias got offered $140 million for the Tigers. They offered him more than that, too. So I think their, their thing is, hey, we offered market value uh, uh, for these guys, and they turned it down. It wasn't like we just showed them the door without making any, any offer at all. How tough are they to watch right now, the Cubs? You know, just a rebuilding team. I mean, they, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think anything more was expected. It certainly wasn't. You know, in spring training, and they're going to have to, uh, you know, go down and get back up again. You know, they didn't tear down to the, uh, you know, shred, shred the whole thing like they did back, uh, you know, uh, seven, eight years ago before, uh, you know, the little rain started. Uh, but, yeah, they were planning to do this. And, uh, yeah, and the Pirates are doing this in the division. 
The Reds are doing this in the division. So the only two teams that are doing it are the, are the Cardinals and Brewers. And that's where they both make the playoffs and probably both get over, you know, 90, 95 wins because you can beat up on those three teams. Bob Nightingale here on Sports Talk Chicago. Bob, what about the White Sox? Where do they stand today? Well, certainly underachieving. They've had a lot of injuries, you know, so have a lot of, uh, you know, number of teams as well. Uh, you know, their parts are going to play better now. Uh, you know, nobody really believes the Twins are a juggernaut that they can be had. I think last year was, you know, aberration. They're a better team uh, than they showed, Minnesota Twins. So a two-team race. Uh, let's see who beats up on the uh, bad teams the most, uh, particularly with uh, how poorly Detroit's playing and how, how poor uh, Kansas City's playing. Why have the Sox played just 500 baseball so far? What's wrong with them? Well, they haven't been able to hit for uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, now they big injury to, uh, you know, Tim Anderson. He kind of makes that whole thing go. But the offense has just been brutal. And, uh, you know, you would think at some point it will wake up. Uh, the pitching's been erratic, but pitching much better now. I mean, they got to be uh, ecstatic with the way Michael Kopech's been pitching. He's been phenomenal against the uh, top teams in the league. So, uh, you know, for the White Sox, it's just get into a postseason because, you know, if you have a, uh, you know, Kopech and uh, G. Lito and Dylan Cease, yeah, you, you can take your chances with anybody. How far do you think they go if they make the playoffs? Well, right now, the two teams to beat, uh, I mean, the team to beat is the New York Yankees in the American League. Second best team is Houston Astros. And then it's uh, up for grabs. Uh, but very possible, you know, four teams from the AL East could make the playoffs, leaving just the division winners in the uh, Central and the West. I'm not sure, you know, there's going to be a wild card team coming from the West with the way the Angels have collapsed. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that we'll have one from the Central either, unless, you know, unless Minnesota keeps up this pace and the White Sox start turning things around. Were you surprised by the Joe Madden firing? No, he, he was a Perry Manasian's guy. Those rumors uh, all along this was going to happen. I mean, they weren't going to they were going to keep him anyway. I think they have would have had to make the playoffs or maybe even a, uh, get to the World Series to keep Matt in. Uh, remember, now was a uh, you know, you know Perry Manasian inherited him. Uh, even back to the old GM Billy Upler, he wanted Buck Showalter. But it was ownership. He said, no, we got something in place here. We're signing uh, Joe Madden as our manager. So uh, the writing was on the wall. Uh, you know, Perry Manasian wanted Buck Showalter, but he just couldn't pull the uh, – he couldn't do that move during the winter. It was just too premature. So how's that situation compared to Tony La Russa here in Chicago? Is he also on the hot seat? Well, different. I mean, Perry Manasian, uh, you know, did not hire Joe Madden. Uh, this regime did. So Tony's on the hot seat uh, this season. If they don't reach the playoffs, then I think they'll have a big meeting in the offseason and say, okay, uh, you know, do you want to keep doing this? Maybe we should uh, find some uh, new blood in here. Now, they would never fire him. I would think it would be, okay, he becomes a special assistant or something in the front office. So he has the rest of the, uh, this year for sure. But if they don't make the playoffs, then I think they'll sit down and say, okay, maybe it's time for uh, a change here. Is there any possibility that he gets fired midseason? No, I don't. I don't see that happening at all. Uh, yeah, even uh, a ten-game losing streak, a twelve-game losing streak. I don't see that happening. Uh, you know, you're, you don't you don't fire a, a Hall of Fame manager <laughs> and what he's meant. So off-season that could happen. Like I said, it would never be the word firing. 
it would be step down or, you know, going to the front office, you know, that sort of thing. Is their performance reflection of his managerial performance or is this more so an injury problem or is this on the players for the White Sox? Well, it's on the players. Uh, they've had injuries, uh, granted. But, you know, the players have got to step up and start doing stuff. I mean, everybody predicted this team to win the division. Some people thought they'd run away with it. So, uh, you know, the, the uh, starting performances have been erratic, but the offense has been weighed down. There's no reason it should be this poor. So, you know, that's not like Taylor Rissing go in there and uh, step on the mound or, you know, go to the plate. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's on the players. What to come with Bob Nightingale in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Bob Nightingale still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Bob, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the lockout. How'd you stay on top of that reporting? Well, a busy time. It was a uh, you know intriguing time. We haven't had one of these since 94, 95. Uh, so, yeah, you've got to keep in daily touch with the uh, both sides, the Players Association side and, and Major League Baseball. And then, uh, you know, going down to, uh, you know, Florida and, and monitoring that and the, you know, watching how many meetings they have each day. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of idle time there. Uh, but yeah, by the end of the day, you know, both sides are pretty forthcoming as far as, you know, what they were presenting. So they were uh, a lot more forthcoming than they had been in the past. You know, if you go back to the uh, you know, early nineties. How this one compared to 94, 95, when you covered that one? Yeah, this one was a, uh, in 94, 95, I kind of just helped out. That's with the LA Times. We had a, uh, Ross Newhan did the uh, 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 heavy work on that one. Yeah, this one was a, uh, you know, in person and things like that. You know, back then you were like stuck in a hotel room and just, you know, guys were sitting in the lobby, uh, you know, for 14, 16 hours. This one, I think just with the uh, state of the situation with the uh, newspapers and out, uh, media outlets, there are only about eight or 10 of us uh, doing this thing. So, you know, at a, uh, use the St. Louis Cardinals media room, you know, brought in pizza and snacks, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, long days, uh, a lot of unproductive days. And then, and, you know, then it got, uh, you know, very interesting. I still believe the night when they uh, broke it off at two thirty in the morning, they never regained that momentum. I still believe if they had never gone to bed, it would have got done a week before it actually did. How much sleep did you get at the time? A couple of those days, particularly uh, last uh, last two days, I was want to say it was two three hours of sleep. Wow. Uh, I, I got, got a lucky break <laughs> having a hotel room across the street, so it wasn't like I had to get a, a car and uh, drive at three in the morning. But yeah, you would have a lot of onlookers come by and stop on the sidewalk. You know what are you guys doing? You know cars kind of stomping, stopping and honking that sort of thing. So it was a uh, it, it was interesting for sure. And they, uh, I'm glad they glad they got done when they did, because I don't think I think if it had gone longer, if a uh, players association had not voted to approve MLB's last proposal, uh, we may still not be playing baseball today. What's the latest hour you've ever broken a story, or was it during this lockout? About the winter meetings, uh, you know, four, five, six in the morning, that sort of thing. The winter meetings are long days too, long nights. A lot of times, John, you get your best information at the bar late at night. Everybody's a little more loose-lipped and uh, and relaxed and will tell you things. 
So winter means times, uh, you're usually not going to bed before two or three because you want to just kind of wait out whoever the last baseball person uh, is there. Bob, before we finish up today, last question. Is the Bob Nightingale curse over due to the lockout? A lot of people have said so based on your reporting on Twitter. What do you think about that? <laughs> it's, like the old, it's like the old SI jinx. If you're going to cover an SI, you know, everything's the jinx. There's no such thing as a jinx. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I've kind of refrained this year because people take it seriously with no hitters or perfect games. I'll <laughs> say a special game is going on or things like that or might want to watch out this performance. Too many people believe in it. I mean, the odds of, uh, you know, no hitter and perfect game are so remote. But took in the late innings, that's when these things get, you know, broken up. But, you know, you want to point out, like, if it's the seventh inning particularly, hey, you might want to tune in here, something special going on. Uh, we've only had 23 perfect games. So that one would really jump out if we have one one day. Well, Bob, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes as you cover this season. And looking forward to the next time we chat as well. All right, my pleasure. Take care, John. Great talk there with Bob Nightingale. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Bob Nightingale himself, Matt Tubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTolvin, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John's Gluel. You know, watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe and so long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?